Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Folks, this is episode 336. That's right, you have listened to our inane banter for 336 episodes, or at least I hope you have. If you haven't, if you're just coming in, welcome aboard. We're happy to have you. I am flying solo tonight. My name is Jason. Troy is off doing things involving serial killers, but it's not nearly as creepy as it sounds. Uh, And Adam and Sal both dealing with the monster blizzard and the electrical and internet problems that it has wreaked across the northeast i was fortunate to just sneak under the wire and be able to come in here and have a conversation with you guys tonight for the rundown we have a lot of stuff we're going to get to we have fast lane predictions but we are going to start with my favorite segment and i'm sure it's yours too we call it the perfect 10 a 10 a 10 a fucking 10 All right, we are going to kick off the perfect 10 with one of the more interesting segments of the week from my money, Uh, and that involved what I'm now referring to her as Cryajax, Jax, because Nia Jax had a rematch from the last Elimination Chamber pay-per-view where she took on Asuka. They had another match on Raw this past week. The match was itself was actually pretty good. Uh, Asuka, because of the size discrepancy between the two, it puts Asuka in the position of sort of being the underdog in the match and she can play that role, and I think she does that very, very well. Uh, she did a good job in that match. Uh, Naya, one of her better performances, too. I thought she did a really good job, save for the fact that she sort of tried to do a backbreaker on the wrong knee, uh, and that sort of made its way around the Internet, and that's that's you know, regrettable, but, you know, accidents happen in the ring. Uh, Asuka with the win. Uh, Naya did sort of the valiant heel um, turn, if you will, where she sort of played the sort of like Stone Cold, refusing to give up to the sharpshooter at WrestleMania 13, not nearly on that level, but uh, it was clearly designed to make Naya sort of have a little bit of a face characteristic, and we would find out later on the show that that had a purpose because we cut to the back where Alexa Bliss was sort of playing the bully to Nia Jax, telling her, you know, but in a way where she was trying to portray herself as her friend, uh, playing the role of, well, I know you were bullied and you were picked on and, and people say that you're not good enough and people say that you're you're too big and blah, blah, blah. I thought Alexa played the role really well. Nia, my only real issue is I hated, and she did a good job in selling the crying, but I hated that they had Nia cry. You've pushed this woman as a monster, 
And I understand you're trying to sort of humanize her and make her look good and, and feel relatable to the audience. And, and I guess this accomplished it. It just sort of took away some of the aura of Nia Jax to me, some of that aura of power. And, and I don't know. I, I get what they were going for. I understand why they did it. For me, it was sort of strange to watch. And it sort of, while humanized Nia, also took some of the specialness away from her, uh, took away some of that power and that dominance that she just like portrays as she comes out that just comes out of her. Um, I think they took some of that away by the way they did this. I understand where they're going. We're clearly on the WrestleMania. We're on, we're on the highway. We're on the road to WrestleMania. We're on the road to Nia Jax versus Alexa Bliss. At least that's exactly what it seems like. Another thing we are on the road to is down in Cameron, North Carolina, and that is the Hardy Compound. Uh, for those of you who didn't see Raw this week, Bray Wyatt destroyed Rhino in about a minute and a half, then scared the crap out of Heath Slater till he left the ring, uh, and followed that up by a promo coming on the screen by Matt Hardy, which said, well, actually, I'm sorry, Bray Wyatt said the ultimate deletion needed to happen. The uh, the, the was the Great War still isn't over. Uh, that led to broken or woken Matt Hardy appearing on the screen and saying that he agreed but that the ultimate deletion would take place at the Hardy compound. And then we saw, for the first time in WWE, all sorts of shots from the Hardy compound. These were not the TNA shots. I know that was circulating. Rebby Hardy said she shot this stuff last week, so this was original footage. Um, but for the first time in WWE, we saw some of the staples of the Broken Hardy gimmick, including Vanguard 1, including Skarsgård, the dilapidated boat, which is my favorite part if you've listened to the show for a while. Um, of course, we've started, if you follow him on Twitter, Senior Benjamin, the King Maxwell account, the Rebby account, they're all sort of starting to gear this up for some real, real wackiness, which is exactly what this Woken Matt Hardy character needs. This could be the thing that saves them. Now, as we as I'm recording this on Thursday night, I just read a report that they were out there yesterday in North Carolina filming footage for this ultimate deletion. Um, I don't know if they're going to hold this footage till WrestleMania or if this is coming up on Raw. I don't know what this is or if what they were recording was maybe just a teaser. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I hope they carry this to WrestleMania because we've sort of been through enough of the crap with this feud that the big payoff should be in a big moment. Um, otherwise, I don't really know what else you do with these guys at WrestleMania, but we'll see. Uh, in any event, I think as a fan of the broken slash woken Hardy gimmick, I'm excited, I'm ecstatic, and it looks like I finally have a little bit of a reason to be optimistic that this angle is going to be effective in the WWE, but time will tell. Moving on to our next topic in the Perfect 10, an uh, interesting thing occurred on Monday Night Raw. John Cena came out uh, to cut a promo, and he said he was cutting this promo about Fastlane, a SmackDown pay-per-view, on Raw because he didn't want to be interrupted. Uh, so, of course, he was interrupted by Goldust. Uh, Goldust came down and challenged him for some reason, uh, and honestly, looking at it on paper, I sat there and said to myself, well, Cena and Goldust, I don't, I don't remember them ever having a match. They're both 
good workers. This could be something. And the match was definitely a letdown. I don't think either one delivered to the level they're capable to. It was awkward. It was uneven. They just didn't seem to have a ton of chemistry. Uh, it didn't work for me in any event. Uh, Cena did win. And uh, he goes on to fast lane this weekend, and we'll talk about that when I get to predictions. Um, but what he did miss by virtue of you know skipping the show, the go home show of the show whose pay per view he'll be on this weekend, uh, was a really really good main event. Uh, actually, two good main events, if you will, because it started with AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler. And these two were really having a, what I thought was a pretty good match. And I'm looking at these two in the ring, and I'm saying to myself, this could be a really good feud if it was done right. Um, but in any event, they went on to have a match. And you know, as per usual with one of these go-home shows, it ends up Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn come out, and they end up attacking uh, the, the guys in the ring, AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler, both trying to get control, I guess, of the situation, try to take out their opponents before the fast lane pay-per-view. Of course, this brings out Shane McMahon. And what I really enjoyed about this is Shane comes out and Shane says, I know you guys think I'm out here to make a tag team match because, of course, that's what happens every single time. Uh, he says, we're out here to make a tag team match, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring out this guy, and it's Baron Corbin, and we get the match that we were going to have at Fastlane right up until John Cena beat AJ Styles last week, the Fatal Five-Way, and the match was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. And if this is a precursor of what we're going to see this week and you add somebody the caliber of John Cena to this match, perhaps I've been writing this match off a little bit prematurely. I do think it... I, well, we'll get to predictions as well. I think it's going to happen in a little bit, but a match that I had sort of low expectations for going into this pay-per-view were definitely raised by this main event on SmackDown, and I guess that's really all you can ask for from a go-home show. So Cena skipping out on that uh, to take on Goldust was a little bit weird. Cena not being at the go-home show for a show he's on the pay-per-view for was a little bit weird. Uh, Cena promoting the SmackDown pay-per-view on Raw was a little bit weird. Uh, obviously, Cena had some commitments that he couldn't be on SmackDown on Tuesday, so they worked within what they had, but uh, it definitely came across as a little bit weird and not my favorite part of the week. Uh, Troy threw this one into the perfect 10 this week, and you'll be able to tell as soon as I read the title. Uh, Troy's title for this topic is, Why Does Every Team in the Mix Match Challenge Want to Fuck? Uh, I believe he's referring to this week's Mixed Match Challenge match, uh, which featured Team Little Big, Alexa Bliss, and Braun Strowman as they took on the real-life couple of Naomi and Jimmy Uso. And it's Naomi, not Naomi. I wish people would stop pronouncing it incorrectly, although they could just call her Trinity like they do on Total Divas and avoid all the problems. But in any event, uh, so... If you watch the Mixed Match Challenge, you've sort of seen some of the real serious flirtation angle being played up between Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman. That was on full display here, including an opening promo by Bliss and Strowman, in which Strowman reminds us that they are, quote, going all the way. Glance at each other in the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, so clearly the indications being that they were going to hump. Uh, followed up by, during the match, uh, some spots where Alexa 
fell right into the arms or even straddled Strowman uh, right at ringside. Uh, they're definitely dropping hints with that, but that's not the only group for which they're doing this. I disagree with Troy. I don't think they're portraying every team in the Mixed Match Challenges wanting to get it on. I don't think Carmella and Big E gave any of that, and I certainly don't think Asuka and The Miz have done that. They certainly played a little bit of that with Goldust wanting to get at Mandy Rose, but really, who could blame them? Um... Uh, the Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman thing, they are definitely uh, hinting that Alexa wants to get those hands and Braun wants to get those hands and put them on Alexa Bliss. Uh, again, though, who could blame him? And in the event, uh, he had, it, it, was a ma- it was a match I really enjoyed. I thought this week's Mixed Match Challenge was actually quite entertaining. I thought they told a good story of Naomi and Jimmy Uso coming to the conclusion that they had to keep Braun out of the ring, so Naomi had to do the heavy lifting. Uh, I thought they did a good job with that. Of course, eventually Strowman losing control, uh, being tired of not being in a match, just bum-rushes Jimmy Uso, wipes him out. Naomi, looking on at her real-life husband, uh, of course, freaks out a little bit. And, of course, Alexa using the opportunity to roll up Naomi from behind and gets the one, two, three for the victory. Uh, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was quite a bit. Now, here's my here's my dilemma, and it was talked about in the past. I think last week we talked about it on the, on the, as far as the Mixed Match Challenge goes. They've tied Asuka's streak to this thing. So we sat here and had this whole discussion that because of that, it was quite clear that Asuka and The Miz were going to win this whole thing. Now, the only caveat I have to that, the reason I'm on the fence now is because for the first time this week, I noticed the fact that Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman are competing for Connor's Cure, which, if you don't know, is pretty much a WWE charity. It seems hard for me to believe that they would not book Connor's Cure to be the charity that wins. Uh, we'll see. I could be wrong, but I think somehow, some way, Alexa and Braun are coming out of winning, are winning this thing somehow. Um, again, I, I posed the theory last week that uh, Asuka loses, not loses, but gets attacked and is somehow left laying and uh, and Miz need to fill in, thus protecting Asuka's streak and allowing Miz to lose the tournament. I don't know how that's going to play out, but I'm starting to put my money... I, I think I might put my money on Team Little Big to win this whole thing. Uh, a couple more weeks, we'll find out for sure. Uh, speaking of Braun Strowman, he was involved in another segment this week on Monday Night Raw uh, where he took on Elias in a symphony, a symphony of destruction or something like that. Um, it was basically a musical match. Uh, there was instruments set up everywhere. Uh, typical Braun Strowman start Elias. The lights go out. Elias is going to do his intro. He's nowhere to be found. We see him running through the crowd trying to get away. Uh, he gets to his car. He gets in the car. He goes to drive off. Car won't go anywhere. And because Braun is big and strong, we go behind the car where Braun has lifted up the back of the car and the wheels are off the ground, thus allowing... Uh, Strowman to hold Elias in the building. Elias gets out, runs, and of course runs right back into the arena because that's convenient. Um, this, of course, led to several musical instruments being used. Um, the giant bass came into play again. Strowman dropped a piano on him. Eventually, Strowman with the victory here. Uh, and to me, this has to be sort of the end of the Elias Braun Strowman thing. This has been a cute little program for a couple of weeks while we. I guess the office decides what they want to do with Braun at WrestleMania. He doesn't seem to have a clear path. I think we learned that this can't be his path. He pretty much took on 
what I guess the character of Elias would have as sort of a signature match where the musical instruments are involved, etc. Um, so Strowman pretty much dominated him in this. I don't see any reason to carry this towards WrestleMania or any further. So to me, this was sort of the blow off. Um, it, it was fine. Again, like I said, cute little thing, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure where you go with either one of these characters now heading into WrestleMania. I think Elias would be fine in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, but you kind of hope for something bigger for Braun. But it's not readily apparent. I guess we got a couple more weeks to find out. What did become readily apparent this week is Ronda Rousey's path at WrestleMania. As we opened Raw with a promo with Kurt Angle coming out, basically challenging Triple H after being left lying last week. And uh, Triple H did not come out. Stephanie came out. Of course, Stephanie and Kurt did their normal back and forth you would expect where stephanie tears his balls off tells him that you know he's poor he's going to be broke and he's got kids to support interesting to note kurt admitted to having five children which would not allow for jason jordan so sort of broke kayfabe there kurt you have six kids in the wwe um but that was followed up with ronda rousey coming out triple h coming out and ronda oh ronda ronda for her part is not necessarily ready to do the improv stuff in the ring. She has her scripted lines that she's going out there and trying to deliver. Uh, Stephanie sort of threw her off, I think, asking for a drum roll after Rhonda said she knew who she wanted to face. That got the crowd going in the drum roll. Then when Rhonda said, you, it sort of got lost, and I don't think it had quite the impact they were looking for. Obviously, eventually, the crowd sort of got into it. Uh, Kurt and Triple H had a little bit of physicality, which is fine. Uh, these guys showed they still have some some good chemistry, although there were a couple of shots that were very clearly missed. Um, but my biggest issue with this whole segment was the fact that, so Stephanie runs away from Ronda, runs through the crowd. That was fine. That's exactly what should have happened. This was followed by uh, Triple H getting laid out by Kurt Angle and Stephanie trying to pull Triple H out. Um, again, exactly what probably should have happened. Then here's where I have an issue. Rhonda reaches down, grabs a handful of Stephanie's hair, and drags her into the ring. Again, I'm still okay with this. Then this is where I have an issue because Rhonda gets her up, does a Samoan drop, and then stands over her lifeless carcass and celebrates. Now we're five weeks out from WrestleMania, and you just gave me the money shot. The thing that everyone was going to be waiting for was to see Rhonda finally get her hands on Steph. You have to drag that out. That has to be the payoff at WrestleMania is to finally see Rhonda get one over on Steph. Now I know that over the next few weeks they'll do some chicanery where Stephanie lays out Rhonda or something happens. I get that. They're gonna try to build it up. But you had a special moment in your back pocket where I'm finally gonna get to see Rhonda give Stephanie her comeuppance. But now I've seen it. Five weeks out of WrestleMania, I've already seen the big payoff. I've seen the blow off to this story. I've seen the money shot, if you will. Now, there's no reason to go back. That To me, this took a lot of the shine. They, they extinguished a lot of their own heat by doing this. Um, the match, I'm sure, will be fine. I'm still looking forward to seeing it, but not nearly having as much anticipation as I think it had before Monday night, uh, at least not in getting to see Ronda get physical with Stephanie. I think it was a mistake to do it there. Uh, another thing they did on Monday night was have... Paul Heyman come out and cut a promo in advance of Roman Reigns. 
Uh, sort of, here's the, okay, so Roman was fine in this segment. Roman did what Roman does. He went out and, you know, cut a sort of straight-faced, I'm a badass promo, and I, I think he did that fine. My bigger issue here was with Heyman's promo, which is a strange, strange thing for me to say, because I am one of the biggest Paul Heyman fans in terms of his mic worth, you will find. I don't think this was his best work. I don't think, first off, I don't think the promo was great in general. It was sort of all over the place. But here was my biggest problem. He's cutting this promo where he's telling us that to be, to carry that universal championship, which is a belt that's like a year and a half old, but to carry this long storied prestigious belt, you have to be willing to sacrifice time. If your father is sick, you have to. You can't fly home. You have to compete at the pay-per-view. And then you have to be on Raw Monday following the pay-per-view. You have to be available. You can't be with your family. The problem, Paul, is you're representing the guy who hasn't wrestled a match on WWE television in 12 years. Who hasn't wrestled on the brand TV show of the brand for which he's been champion for a year. He hasn't wrestled a match on that show in 12 years. So perhaps maybe not the message you want to send is to remind people that to be the real champion, you have to be available. You can't have a personal life. You are at the WWE's disposal. You need to be on TV and representing that title because Paul, your guy is the definition of not doing the very thing that you're saying you have to do, which if you were cutting the promo on behalf of Roman would make a ton of sense, but you're cutting it on behalf of the guy who is the antithesis of everything you're saying the champion needs to be. I don't think it put portrayed Brock in a great manner. And I also think this, and while I'm not, (laughs) as many of you know, who have listened to the show regularly, I'm not opposed to a little profanity to try to get an angle over But it just felt like Paul was throwing in words like bitch and bullshit just for the pop because the promo itself wasn't going to set the world on fire. Uh, I felt like it was sort of a cheap move for Paul, and I think he's better than that. Uh, All things considered, not Paul's best work. Roman did fine. I'm still looking forward to the match. I think it's going to be great. I did love the fact that when he said, you called Brock a bitch, no, 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 this is Brock's bitch, and he holds up the title. I also... I also, one other thing I found an issue with was when Roman said, pick up that belt and show it the respect it deserves. This is also the guy who carried around the U.S. title like it was a piece of shit for several months. So we don't respect that title, clearly. Just not the best way to end Raw. I think you probably would have been better served to end Raw with the Ronda Rousey segment. Uh, If this is what this promo was going to be, I think you would have been much better off in terms of anticipation and building a show uh, if you sort of swapped those two segments. But that's just me. Uh, We're going to close off. we got two topics related to NXT, and I'm going to close off with both of those. But before we get there, uh, Troy also put on that the women take center stage on SmackDown. And there was quite a bit of stuff that happened involving the women on SmackDown. For me, my favorite part of what the women did on SmackDown was the promo between Ruby Riot and Charlotte. Now, I don't think it was executed especially great because neither one of these two was looking at each other. Um, and to me, that was sort of a, a bit of an issue. Uh, it seemed a little weird. And I understand, I've, I've done theater, I understand the notion of you know facing camera and staging and blocking and all that stuff. 
Um, but it was it, it just seemed really unnatural and sort of took away from it for me. But I will say this. I thought it was Ruby's best promo in terms of content and delivery since she's been on the main roster. But the thing I liked about it the most was as she's going through, she's talking about how the once after Charlotte won the title, she was out there talking about her legacy and she knew it was fake. And that was when she knew she had to get a crew together. That was when the Riot Squad was born because really we're several months into the Riot Squad and we've had never really gotten any explanation as to why this group of three random individuals was sort of brought together. This was the first time we got any clarification on that, and I'm glad they at least sort of finally tied that loose end together. Um, but other than that, we also had uh, a matchup on the main card, if you will, um, between the women, which, you know, it, it, Carmella, Carmella took on Becky Lynch. And it wasn't great. Uh, Carmella still has a long way to go. And look, I, I understand putting the money in the bank content briefcase on her. I really feel, and maybe it's just me, but I really feel like she's lost a ton of that momentum and a ton of that heat since they got rid of James Ellsworth. I think he really added to her character. And not having him has hurt her quite a bit. I think keeping her off TV, I understand the notion that you want to sort of keep the money in the bank holder off TV so it's more of a surprise when they cash in. But her strength, the thing that sort of separated her from the pack a little bit, was her ability to cut good promos and sort of be her character. And if you don't see those character, that character and you don't hear those promos, her, she's not going to carry it with her in-ring work, let's be honest. I, I think the character's lost something over the last couple months. Uh, hopefully she can get it back because I think there is a lot of potential there. Although if we are in fact gearing towards an Asuka winning the title at WrestleMania, I'm not sure I see an opening where Carmella cashes in successfully. Though I also can't see neither Money in the Bank winner cashing in successfully. That would certainly be a first as far as I can think of. As for the, the NXT events, I promised to close things off. Well, Look, well, it's not this one's not specifically just NXT, but uh, news came out this week. It appears we are going to be introducing two new titles into the WWE universe, as it was announced at the NXT tapings that NXT finally, after me saying for years they needed a secondary title because they had too many really good guys who had really nothing to fight for, the NXT North American Championship will be decided at TakeOver New Orleans, and we are going to get into that TakeOver New Orleans card, and I'll get into the specifics of who's going to be in that match in a few minutes because, to me, this is shaping up to be the greatest NXT event card we've ever had. The names on this card are real, and, and the matches are really, really top-notch. Uh, so hats off to them for putting this thing together the way they have. The surprising thing, though, that came out this week is that WWE is looking to introduce Cruiserweight Tag Team titles after WrestleMania. Uh, of course, the Cruiserweight division a couple months ago was considered you know, dead in the water and was going to be sort of shut down, and I don't know what's going to happen. Now, not only are we not shutting it down, we're actually expanding that brand and adding new championships to it. I think since Triple H took it over, since it's focused on the athleticism and the in-ring, I think they've really re sort of resurrected what this brand could be. I got to tell you, I'm looking tremendously forward to Tuesday night when I get to watch Roderick Strong go one-on-one -on -one with Cedric Alexander. I think that match is going to be phenomenal. Can't wait to see it. And I think we sort of saw some of the seeds planted for this Cruiserweight Tag Team title this week when they took Hideo Itami and teamed him up with Akira Tozawa. 
to form a bit of a tag team there. I don't know who else you're going to get for the tag team. Obviously, the Bollywood boy is not available. Um, so I don't know. You're going to have some makeshift teams. I don't know if they're going to go out and sign new guys for this division. Uh, but it's certainly interesting and maybe their way of getting into another tournament once the Cruiserweight Championship tournament is over because tournaments seem to be the way to sell the Cruiserweights. At least it's the only way they've had success with them so far. Uh, looking forward to seeing how that plays out, though. Now... I talked briefly about the NXT North American Championship, but let's talk for a minute about this NXT TakeOver New Orleans card. Uh, they just finished tapings last night for this pay-per-view event, or this WWE special event, uh, and so some of this might include some spoilers. So I would, if you don't want to be spoiled, if you don't want to know anything that might have happened at this event, I would suggest maybe you skip this. But if you're listening to the show, you're probably smart. You probably read it already anyway. So let's start with the main event. Alistair Black versus Andrade Cien Almas. And interestingly enough, at the takeover of last year's WrestleMania, uh, Alistair Black made his WWE debut taking on Andrade Cien Almas back when he was sort of the glorified jobber of NXT, uh, jobber to the stars, if you will. Uh, and he won that match, obviously, but it's very, very interesting to see how these two have risen in just one year, especially Andrade Cien Almas, like we've talked about on several occasions, complete role reversal. I'm really looking forward to that match. Then Shayna Baszler and Ember Moon are going to have their rematch for the NXT Women's Championship. I think this program has been tremendous. I think they've executed everything really well, both of them in this thing. The NXT Tag Team title match is now also going to be the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So again, if you don't want to be spoiled... I'm going to give away some Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic results here when I list out this match. Fast forward a couple minutes, a couple seconds if you don't want to hear it. But it's going to be Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne, who are a team in the Dusty Rhodes Classic, versus the Authors of Pain, versus Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, the Undisputed Era. Be interesting to see how that plays out because Bobby Fish is nursing a knee injury and reports are that he does need surgery on it. We'll see if it's a quick surgery and he's back in time for TakeOver or if he's going to hold off to the surgery till after TakeOver and do the honors. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, that tag team of Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne certainly has me intrigued. Uh, it certainly also would seem to lend credibility to the notion that Roderick Strong is not making it to the finals of the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament at WrestleMania. At least that's the way it looks to me. We will see. Uh, of course, we've pretty much known forever that we get to this pay-per-view, this special event, this NXT TakeOver, we are going to see Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, a match that needs no title because it's got all the heat in the world. Fans cannot wait to see this match. Count me amongst that group of people. This is going to blow the roof off that arena, and these two guys have earned every bit of it with the way they've told the story. It's been outstanding. Now, as for this NXT North American Championship I mentioned, it is, in fact, going to be decided in a ladder match. Now, that ladder match will feature EC3, Ethan Carter III, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, The Velveteen Dream, Adam Cole, baby, and making his NXT TakeOver debut, Ricochet. Just let that sink in for a second. Ricochet, EC3, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, Adam Cole, and the Velveteen Dream in a six-person ladder match to crown the first NXT North American champion. Take my freaking money right 
fucking now. I want to see that match today. I want to see it right now. I don't want to wait five more weeks. This is, to me at least, on paper, one of the greatest NXT TakeOver cards we've ever seen. And that's saying a lot because NXT TakeOver has really set the standard for what independent wrestling should strive to be. And they're doing it at a WWE level. Now, they're doing it with WWE production, which sort of gives them a leg up. But this really is independent wrestling. I think that's what appeals to a lot of people. It's not the over-the-top. It's not the sideshow. It's not sports entertainment. This is really focused on the wrestling aspect. And I, it's my favorite show. I've made no bones about that. And I am incredibly excited for this event, and I cannot wait. I am more anticipating this than I am WrestleMania, but that's usually the way this works. That is going to do it for the Perfect Ten. Now, as expected, as promised, we will go to Fastlane Predictions. And Troy was kind enough to provide me with his predictions for Fastlane. And we are going to kick things off with two matches that were made this week. As Becky Lynch and Naomi will take on Natalia and Carmella in a battle of who gives a shit. But Troy thinks he's going to go. it's going to go with Natalia and Carmella. For me, I'm going Becky Lynch and Naomi because the reality for me is that this is a thrown-together match. Carmella has the Money in the Bank briefcase, and I think the Money in the Bank briefcase winner is often the loser of most of these types of matches. So I'm going to say that my money is with Becky Lynch and Naomi in this one. Also made this past week, Shinsuke Nakamura going to take on Rusev along with Aiden English. Now, first off, Shinsuke's going to win this. There's really no debate about that, let's be honest. This is not in question. Uh, However, allow me to use this as my opportunity to credit both Nakamura and Rusev for the work they did on SmackDown this week because that segment was tremendous. I'm talking about, if you didn't see it, a segment backstage where they get into a fight, and uh, it's not a fight, but a little argument as Rusev says he wants a match, basically. And Nakamura says, fine, but it's going to be Nakamura Day. Very much sounding like Aiden English. I thought he did a great job with that. Uh, And then as he walks off, Rusev, without his accent, just straight up, says, hey, you can't make up your own holiday, bro. And that was it. Excellent work by both guys. I laughed tremendously. That is the type, that is what makes Rusev amazing. He can do comedy. He can be a badass. He can do whatever you need him to do and do it well. Criminally underutilized talent, but excellent segment on on SmackDown. And Nakamura will win this Sunday at the pay-per-view. SmackDown Women's Championship on the line. Charlotte Flair going to defend against Ruby Riot. Uh, this is, to me, Really more about what kind of a showcase Ruby can make for herself for future opportunities. Charlotte's going to win this. They're not taking the title off Charlotte going into WrestleMania. The only monkey wrench I could see them throwing in here is if Carmella were to cash in here, take the title, and then drop it again to Charlotte before WrestleMania. That's the only scenario I see uh, her cashing in successfully prior to WrestleMania, at least, or prior to the end of WrestleMania. Um But yeah, I got Charlotte winning this thing. I I don't see that there's much other way you can go with this. Uh, SmackDown Tag Team Titles. The Usos going to take on the New Day in what, again, and I say this every single time, that these two teams hook up. I think this is going to steal the show. Uh, I think this is going to be the best match of the night. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't hate it if this carries over into WrestleMania. Uh, We've done a whole sort of bit 
about how the Usos have never had a main event card, main card match at WrestleMania, but the New Day said they didn't get one last year because they were hosting. I think they've set the seeds for a very interesting match that could take place at WrestleMania. I think you'd have to make it a triple threat and include the Bludgeon Brothers because they've been too obviously involved and they sort of on the periphery of this thing. But I'm going to go with the Usos to retain the SmackDown Tag Team titles at Fastlane, carry them into WrestleMania, and from there we'll see. Now, here's, here's an interesting match because this is one that I think I'm actually looking more forward to than I was before. Now, I, I, I don't know if Troy did this correctly uh, or if he is aware of news that I am not yet aware of. But he has it written as a triple threat between Bobby Roode, Randy Orton, and Jinder Mahal. Uh, the last I knew of, it was Bobby Roode straight up versus Jinder Mahal. Uh, but So I'm going to go with that, unless something's changed. But in any event, I don't see Jinder winning, so it doesn't really matter, even if he's in the match. Um, to me, Bobby Roode holds on to this title. You could continue this to WrestleMania, where you could add Jinder and make it a triple threat. Um, I think Bobby Roode wins the retains the title here. I am surprisingly interested in this, seeing this match because it is something special. It is something we haven't seen before. If it's a if it is indeed a singles match between Bobby Roode and Randy Orton, I don't very often get super excited. I like Bobby Roode; I'm a big fan. I don't usually get super excited for his matches because there's not a ton of like. It's hard to tell, hard to hard to explain, but there's not a ton of build or heat to it. I sort of feel like Randy Orton has enough cachet and enough status within the company that just his presence in the match adds a little something to it. And I'm very interested, very excited to see him take on Bobby Roode for the first time ever. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I think somehow Bobby Roode wins or at least retains the title. I think that could very well involve Jinder coming in and causing a disqualification or causing one guy to beat the other. But I think that is how that's going to play out. Roode wins, Jinder gets involved. Uh, WWE title in a Royal Rumble. I'm sorry, a, fat, a fatal four-way, five, five, five guys. Uh, no, I'm sorry, six guys now in this match. It is the phenomenal AJ Styles defending the championship against John Cena. He is going to also take on Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Dolph Ziggler, and Baron Corbin. Uh, nice try, Troy. Keep trying. Not going to happen here. Uh, but in any event, yeah, I see AJ Styles walking out of the title, walking out of the match with the title. I can't see the match with Nakamura being changed going into WrestleMania. It's too big of a deal. Um, and I don't see it. Cena's got other things we know about. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who knows what they're going to do with them. Uh, Corbin, again, you're talking about Andre Battle Royal, probably for him and Ziggler. And if you believe the reports, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn head to the Andre Battle Royal as well. Uh, but I think this has the potential to be a really, really good match uh, with a lot of high spots, a lot of false finishes, a lot of almosts, uh, a lot of convincing you somebody's going to win who's not. Ultimately, and in the end, I do expect AJ Styles to retain and walk out as the WWE Heavyweight Champion. So that's going to do it for our Fastlane predictions. We'll find out who is right next week. In fact, Troy and I, the only match we disagree on is the Becky Lynch and Naomi versus Natalia and Carmella match. So I guess bragging rights will go to the correct predictor of that match next week. So uh, being that I'm short-staffed and it's just me, I'm going to get into the indie dates. But I'm going to go with just the urgent ones. So the stuff coming up this weekend we'll run through. Everything else we'll get to next week when we have a full cast, hopefully. So 
I would point you to Liberty States Wrestling as they present Collision Course this Saturday night, March 10th, from the John McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. That is 76 Lake Street in Peabody. The card for this event that we have so far is a double main event. The Liberty States Heavyweight Championship will be defended as Brick Mass Stone takes on Retro Anthony Green. The Liberty States Tag Team Championship will be on the line as fabulously unequaled the team of Johnny Vegas and the unequaled one Todd Sopel take on Brett Domino and D.L. Hurst. We're going to have Setherin with Vanity Vixen taking on former Liberty States champion Christian Casanova. In a women's match, Vanity Vixen will take on Kennedy Copeland. Nico Silva will defend his No Limits Championship. Also on the show, Danny Miles, Fox Vineyard, Diamondback Jack Maverick, The Clinic Christopher James, and much, much more. Doors open at 6.30. Bell time is 7. Tickets are just $10 general admission. Once again, that is Liberty States Wrestling this Saturday, March 10th. If you are in the Kansas City area, I would direct you this Saturday to the NWL, the National Wrestling League, as they head to the Turner Rec Center in Kansas City, uh, Kansas City, Kansas. This is in Kansas City, Missouri. I don't know. And it says Kansas City, Kansas here. I thought it was Kansas City, Missouri. I guess not. Uh, or is there Kansas City, Kansas? I guess so. Anyway, uh, it is this Saturday, March 10th. Doors at 6.30. Show is at 7 p.m. Child ticket pricing is not available for ringside seatings. There are no exceptions to this rule. Uh, There are no matches announced on this sheet. I believe Troy ran them down last week. I would suggest you go back to last week's show uh, and check them out. Or you can head to nwleague.com and get all the match info there as it becomes available. Lastly... Bruce City Wrestling returns to the Elk Lodge, Elk Lodge 400 at 2301 Springdale Road in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Saturday, March 10th with the Shamrock Showdown. It is the first, our first event was historic as a new BCW Heritage Champion was crowned as the Midwest Slayer Stacy Shadows defeated Brandon Blaze. Also, Brew City Wrestling owner and promoter Frankie DeFalco fired the mouth of the Midwest JP as commissioner, naming Ring of Honor star the Beer City Bruiser as the new commissioner. Tickets go on sale $20 front row, $16 in advance, and $18 at the door. Bell time is 7.30 p.m. and doors open at 6.45. The card as we have it so far. Bruce City Wrestling Heritage Championship as we mentioned. Stacy Shadows, the Midwest Slayer. The new champion will defend against Brandon Blaze. If Shadows wins, JP is rehired. If Blaze wins, the Bruce City Beer City Bruiser stays as commissioner. In a special feature, Evil Dysfunction takes on I Am Funny Bone. The Brew City Women's Wrestling Championship will be on the line as the champion Blue Phoenix, Vanessa Azor, takes on the Golden Goddess, Lena Dioro. Bo Tatum takes on Shooter, Scott Marciano. The card is subject to change. More Fandemonium matches will be announced very closely. You can like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash brewcitywrestling1. Follow them on Twitter at bcw1 or go to brewcitywrestling1.com. That is going to do it for this edition of The Rundown, episode 366. It has been one week since Troy came up with something to write on this section of The Rundown sheet. I would encourage you to follow the show at Rundown Podcast on Twitter. Go to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. You can email the show at RundownWrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, as Sal did, but I forgot to play, at 617-863-6967. That is 61-RUNDOWN-7. 
We are also on Patreon. You can check, be like our tremendous patrons, Mike Smathers and John Venrick. Head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. We do have two reward levels. We have the Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you one patron-only episode of the Rundown and Rundown Mania. I'm sorry, one down, <laughs> one out. We are on Patreon. I can encourage you to join our current patrons and head over to patreon.com slash rundown wrestling and become a patron. Currently, we have two reward levels. The Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you one patron-only episode of The Rundown, as well as early access to all of our shows, with the exception of this very Rundown flagship show. Then we have the Rundown Mania tier, which for $10 a month grants you guest hosting spots on any of our Rundown shows. Also, the patron, except for the Rundown sit-down, uh, also the patron, all patrons do receive early access to our shows, as I mentioned before. So everything you get in the first tier, you get in the second tier with the addition of joining a show of your choice. That is all we offer on Patreon, and we encourage you to join over, to go over and help support the show. The reality of it is every dollar that we get from Patreon goes right back into the show. It's not for profit. It is simply to help with hosting fees and helps us keep this show free and coming at you every single week. Check out the Slasher Sanitarium if you're a fan of horror, or listen to our friends the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on the wrestling podcast about nothing. They drop new content every Monday. Check them out on Facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com. We encourage you to check our friend Justin Michaels and his show, Yesterland Waltz, on Tough TV in primetime. Subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear all of the other shows on our feed. NXT Revisited, The Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Glow Shtick, and the Nitromania Podcast. We encourage you to follow our hosts. We have at jstuart0920 for me. That is J-S-T-U-A-R-T-0920. At Rockstar Troy for Troy. At Taz if you want to talk to Sal. And at The Salzer Effect if you want to hook up with Adam on Twitter. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to nobody for co-hosting because I'm flying solo. Thanks to everyone who voted for our new logo a couple weeks ago. We have a pretty cool theme song that I created, but I'm not going to thank myself for it because that would be really weird. Next week, we will bring you our review of the Fastlane pay-per-view. We will bring you some recap of that show as well as, as always, our perfect time. So until next week, when hopefully I'll be joined by at least one of the co-hosts so you don't have to listen to me go on and on. We'll see you next Thursday. And since Troy's not here, allow me to say bye bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Jason Stewart and Jason Stewart only. We are a proud member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all their shows, including our other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast, the New Blood Rising Podcast. We have horror podcasts like the Slasher Sanitarium, and sometimes there's Scotch, as well as the Shadowvane Podcast. We also have other shows, Taco Tuesday, Pwn Stars, the Reanimator Podcast, Perilous Pretenders, and Nerd Control, all of that and more available at questandnetwork.com. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.